Hello and welcome to Helpline on Feed Play Love with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. Chris is here to help you with any of the challenges you might be having with your babies or toddlers, um, mixture of both perhaps. That can always be some places where you need some help. Um, Chris is here to answer your questions so you can come to us through a number of ways. If you're watching us via Facebook Live, you can pop your comments below or you can call us on 1-800-543-772. You can also email us, especially if you're listening via the podcast, to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au and we'll get to your questions next week. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Did you have a nice weekend? I had a great weekend. Fabulous. These people may not have had a nice weekend, <laughs> uh, which is why we're going to try and help them. Peter sent us an email. She wants to know about any tips on balancing three kids under four. My youngest is now six months, but I just can't get on top of things and struggling to be the mum I want to be. They are pushing me to the absolute edge. The two eldest are girls and are 20 months apart, four and a half years and three years in Jan. It's the constant fighting, yelling and screaming that's making me act out in so much anger now. All my friends have two kids that are three plus years apart. And although I know they have their own struggles, as every mother does, I find it hard to connect with someone who is has gone through a similar circumstance. I have pets to attend to as well twice daily, so it's all just so much. Peter. Right. I call this the juggle. We have to juggle everybody. And it, this one's a little bit hard because we we don't know if the girls might do a little bit of preschool or daycare and how we can get that balance going. But if we assumed that they were all at home, all together. Every day. Every day. <laughs> I think you have to give priority to each of them. So the little baby, that priority is getting that lunchtime sleep in. So you might have to compromise him a little bit in the morning to get out with the bigger girls. So I would break my day into sections. So that would be that first morning bit, say from six till nine. And that's just about getting everybody fed and everybody dressed. And that's a little manic at this age. And that baby needs a sleep of some description. That middle section of the day between nine and 12, 12.30, when the girls have lunch, I would get out of the house. I'd run them in the park. I would use up some of their energy so that they're not at each other all day. Then from lunchtime till mid-afternoon, I think it's back about the baby again and he needs his afternoon sleep to whatever degree he's taking it now that he's a six-month-old. And then that last part of the day again is a bit chaotic. So you could imagine that in that last part of the day between 3 and, um, say, 6.37, when it starts to feel like the end of the day is coming, I think you have to be prepared for that. And to do that, while that baby's having its afternoon nap, is the time that I'd start preparing lunch. So we have to distract the girls because obviously they're going to pull at your attention because the baby's down. And I would distract them either with a little bit of quiet play um, and I would organise it. So can you help make muffins? Um, I'm going to put the Play-Doh out. Um, Let's go and do some water play outside. And to give them an activity to do that might take up their time and that they could do it together. So it wasn't who was stronger at it or winning or who's determining what the other one should do, like the leader and the follower. So I think you need to break the day up 
I need to, you need to prioritise what's going to happen in those sections because the more predictability, the calmer the girls will be. But I think all of your feelings are more normal than people talk about. Mm, yes. About I think I'd struggle. How they get quite anxious and I'd angry struggle. by the end of the day. I know I'd struggle. I think most people would struggle with um, three children under the age of four. Yeah. And I'd call on help. If your mother's available for half a day and can take the girls, even for a couple of hours, even if it's the lady next door who's got a four-year-old that they can go and play with, I, I would rally around the troops to get through this, this short window and then it's going to feel much, much better. Okay, good luck, Peter. This is a question, uh, a direct message actually on Facebook from Rachel. She she has 10-month-old twins, uh, nine months corrected, and they take turns waking between 5 and 5.30 a.m. Emoji with tears after that. Routine is as follows. (laughs) 6.30 a.m. awake. Sometimes we can convince them to go back to sleep when they wake at 5, 5.30. Most often they talk, rest and cry. 6.45 bottle, 8 a.m. breakfast, 9.30 a.m. sleep. One, I wake them at 10 a.m. or I struggle to get them down at 1.30 p.m. Yeah. 10 a.m. snack, 12 p.m. lunch, 1 p.m. bottle, 1.30 p.m. sleep two. Girl twin will often wake at 2.43 p.m. and doesn't go back to sleep. Sometimes I can get them both to 3.30, which is the goal. I always wake the other within 15 minutes. 5 p.m. dinner, 6.30 p.m. bottle, unless they wake before 3 p.m., then at 6 p.m. bottle and 6.30 p.m. bed. 7 p.m. bed. Yeah. How can I get my girl twins day sleep longer and stop them both waking at 5 a.m. I'm tired and also have a two-year-old that is getting woken up too. And that's Rachel. Okay, Rachel, I think you've got them in the right routine and the right sequencing of food and sleep. So usually with twins of this age, when we have this problem where one's waking the other or they're waking early, is we separate them for three days. Um, so put the better sleeper in the porticot in your bedroom and start getting the sleep better because I think that will also help your nights because they're going to bed probably more often than not at 6.30 because of the sleep in the day and 11 hours later is 5, 5.30. So in their head, they've had enough sleep and it's reasonable 11 hours later that they would be awake. So I think that's where your 5.30 problem is coming is because your afternoon sleep isn't quite long enough. So I would separate them, porticot, don't get, you know, that'll be one child in every room. And I would get that, the child who isn't sleeping well, I'd do some resettling with that little one in their cot so they know how to do it. And then I'd bring the the first twin back into the room after a few days because then I think more often than not you'll get them to bed closer to the seven and closer to the seven without them being overtired. So getting them to seven isn't the goal unless they've slept well in the afternoon because otherwise they'll just be overtired and they'll wake earlier and earlier. So work on your afternoon sleep, separate them, and and then I think you'll get to the seven easier and that will get you closer to the six in the morning. All right. Good luck, Rachel. This is an email from Anna who has a 22-month-old. My daughter absolutely loves her dummy. She regularly calls out for her da dummy not dad particularly throughout the day she does sleep with a dummy at night and sleeps throughout the night and with her day sleep also she's not fussed if she drops a dummy during sleep and when you look on the baby monitor it's generally not in her mouth we have been trying to limit her dummy use especially in the day but she constantly calls out or goes searching for her da 
She particularly demands it for it when we're in the car or when we're out and about. Would love some strategies or tips of ways we can start the ball rolling to ditch the dummy as she's nearly approaching two years and they don't want it to start affecting her speech, her teeth or her jaw. Okay, so I think you've got all the right things in place and the elements that you're thinking about. Um, in this case, what we do is just completely limit it to her. She has to be in her bed to have a dummy. So um, I would just put one or two dummies in a container in her room and that's it. I'd get rid of all the other dummies because it's too tempting when she's screaming in the car just to hand the spare dummy that's in the consult into her to keep her quiet. So we have to look at all those other areas she keeps calling out and predominantly this must be in the car when she's sitting she's just looking out the window she wants to suck on her da. And we might need to um, get her more engaged while she's sitting in the car, like playing music, singing songs, giving her a book, asking her questions about the book, things that will distract her out of calling for the da. So it's perfectly normal for her to have it in her sleep in the cot. But you have to get her to that point. So just limit all the dummies in the house, put two in the room. She doesn't get out of the cot until she hands you the dummy. And then it goes up into the container, which is up high. And she only gets one when she's going back into the cot. So I'd start there and then that'll restrict it to the bed. You've got to use those distraction therapies during the day. And then when you're ready, you'll be able to just take the dummies away. Now, when you take the dummies away, I would do it prior to her going into a big bed. I would get her off the dummies for about a month before you move beds because often people will take the dummy away and move them into a bed. And I use that a lot on much older children but at this age if you're planning to get rid of it do it before you put her into the bed because she has to relearn how to go back to sleep and it's much easier to do while she's in a cot. Okay this question is a direct message on Facebook from Alana with a two-year-old. She turned two in September and has turned into a seriously bad sleeper. From the moment she was born she was a, a dream to put to bed and stayed asleep for up to 10 hours at night work. Yeah. Now she's absolutely hysterical to the point where she makes herself sick. She refuses to sleep in her room at all costs, but finds sleeping in our bed with or without us next to her. We did move her to the spare spare bed we had, which is a queen, and that worked perfect for about three months. Mm -hmm. And now she won't even go in her room. Mm -hmm. I'm due with baby number two in April, and I'm beyond breaking point with her. We've tried self-settling, the crying method. She's tall enough to open the door herself and climbs over the baby gate across her bedroom door. Um, story time, etc. I'm not sure what to do. She's only settled if one of us is sleeping next to her or she's sleeping in our bed. And um, she wakes at 7 a.m. and has a nap from 11 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. Okay. Um, so she must go to bed at 7, I think. Um, what I would do here is go back to putting her in the cot because one... You, she's too young for a bed and you saw that and this is really typical if you put a child in a bed before the age of two and a half often they do really well for two or three months and then they learn to find their feet and go walking all over the house so in this case she needs to go back into um, her cot and I think that's what she's looking for and buy a much bigger baby gate I don't know how a two-year-old gets out of a baby gate um Yeah, she must be very tall, though, to get right over the top of it. Um, So I think here in this case, I would put her back into her um, cot 
um, because then you can do a version of control crime where you give her empathy and sympathy by being in the room and gradually moving yourself out of the room. When she's in the bed, you start moving and she starts moving. She starts to get off the bed. So I think sitting down with her when she's well rested during the day and saying, you know, the bed isn't working. Um, there's lots of crying. Daddy and mummy don't want any more crying. And you have to tell her there's no more bed, no more mummy's bed, no more big bed. We're going back to our baby cot. And then put her in, walk out, let her go for a, not long because she's a vomiter. So three, four, five minutes, and then go back and put a chair halfway in the room and say to her, mummy can sit here if you put your head down. And you've got to retrain her how to go back to sleep. I don't want the cot, the chair next to the cot because then she'll start reaching out and holding your hand and there comes the next problem. So halfway, if you put your head down, mummy can sit on the chair. Once you sit on the chair, you say, I'm sitting here for two, three minutes and then mummy has to go. And then I just repeat it until she got back the idea of how to self-settle. It will take about two to three days. I would, you know, drink. Oh, I wouldn't drink. She's pregnant. Yes. Eat really good chocolate. Uh, that's about as far as you can go yeah. when you're pregnant. And and I just do it backwards and forwards and make sure you share the load. Make sure you talk to your partner about this and get them on board and don't start it till you're ready. You can you know you can do it for a couple of days. Mm. So take a deep breath and it could be a very long weekend. Chris Minogue and Helpline on Feed Play Love will be back answering more questions right after this. When you become a parent, you enter an exclusive club, one that only other parents can truly understand. I spent a lot of time running and yelling names. Come back, get back here. But I bought him one of those backpacks that had a lead, like, you know, a monkey one. Because it doesn't look as bad. Yeah, like a disguise. (laughs) The Parent Panel is a weekly podcast that invites adults to ponder the big questions of looking after small children with more than a bit of humour mixed in. Join us for The Parent Panel wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to your questions with Helpline and Chris Minogue. This one comes from Shay on Facebook. Love that name, Shay. Yeah. Have another baby. No. <laughs> <laughs> that ship has sailed, Chris. Okay, bye, Especially dog. on Helpline when we're getting all these questions about how challenging babies are. Um, my two-year-old still breastfeeds. I work four days per week and she can go all day without it and then wants to feed for what seems like all night. We yep. co-sleep. I'm keen to wean her, but she won't give up. She has a good diet and drinks cow's milk and has plenty of cheese, yogurt and calcium. Any tips to wean this toddler of mine? I didn't have this trouble with my boys. No. Okay. So you've got the human cling on here. She's clinging on with everything. In this case, it's going to be hard when you co-share and you want to wean because you're saying, I need you to lay beside me, but I'm not going to do the thing that has been comforting you for two years. So in this case, how you have to start is um, you need her to co-share with her, with your partner so her dad or your your partner, and you need to remove yourself out of the room to wean her, and then you can go back into the room. Okay, so it's going to take three or four nights to do this, um, but I think you're right. I think she's just comforting all night because she hasn't had it in the day, but she doesn't need it because she's a two-year-old. So I think if you just... Um, sort of find that weekend that you can both do this because it'll be a long night for your partner. Okay. One lady I suggested this to a couple of days ago, uh, she booked herself into a very nice hotel. (laughs) 
And I can sort of see the merit of that. <laughs> You've got an excuse anyway. Yeah, nowhere near the you child. Can afford it. <laughs> but it did work. Not the hotel, but the actual removing the mother from the bed did actually work. So um, dad just kept comforting her cuddles, you know, still in the bed, all the coasts co-sleeping but we just withdrew mum because the only other way you can do it is you have to put a skivvy on which is it's a bit warm so you have to put a skivvy on so that she doesn't claw you to get to the breast so um, I would just remove you for a couple of nights dad needs to do with it and then you'll be able to come back in the night and still come back in the bed and still co-sleep or co-shared together so I'm sorry it's not an easy answer although it could be a very nice hotel room somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for that question, Shay. This is an email from Chelsea, who has a seven-month-old. I need some help transitioning my seven-month-old baby to sleeping in her cot for her day naps. She currently will only sleep on my chest after being fed or rocked to sleep in the carrier. It's getting harder to put her to sleep as she's getting older and more aware of her surroundings. We're usually awake between 5 and 6 a.m., then she'll usually nap for two hours for half an hour. Does that make sense? Usually after two hours for half Half an an hour. hour. Then wake for two to three hours and then naps for half to one and a half hours. Then awake for two to three hours and then naps for another half hour. Someday she will have four half hour naps. Then bed is around seven. Overnight she wakes every two to three hours usually, sometimes every hour. During the night she will only resettle on the boob occasionally with patting. She sleeps with her cot next to our bed. I don't do the cried out method for settling her during the day and want a gentle approach. She's exclusively breastfed and we've started solids two meals a day, but she shows little interest. I just need help in teaching her some self-settling skills and to help her be able to nap on her own during the day without all the crying. That's from Chelsea. Okay, Chelsea. So this is where we get really stuck because lots of, I don't know a parent that says to me, can you show me how to settle the baby and I don't care if it cries. So this is where it gets really difficult because there's been lots of love and lots of nurturing and now we actually wanted to do it independent. So we're going to have to take lots of steps to do this. Um, I think one of the things is she needs to get up to three meals in the day as a seven-month-old and that's difficult if she's feeding on demand day and night because it's that level of food at seven months that's going to help sustain her overnight. So the first thing I'd work on is trying to get three meals in the day Um, and seeing what effect that has on her sleep in general at night. Um, And then we have to start on the process of teaching her to sleep in the day. So the way I would do this in a very gentle approach is I'd start standing in the room that you want her to sleep in, in, near her cot. Um, And if you've got a cot where the cot side goes down, I'd stand next to her cot and rock and pat her until she is very sleepy, almost like how we would do it with a 12-week-old baby or a 10-week-old baby. And we're going back to teach her how to sleep. And then when you transfer her into a cot, you need to put your hands on her straight away, a little bit of pressure so she thinks she's still there, and continue to do some body rocking or some patting that you were doing as you were holding her so that she can make that transition to in the cot, which it will mean that you'll probably have to stand there for the 30 minutes that she sleeps and sort of give her all of those comfort cues in the cot. And then as she gets used to being put in, put down, you want to reduce the time that she, you stay with her in the cot so she learns to start to sleep in the cot, even if it's only for 30 minutes. Then once you've got that part done... Then the next part would be to put her down in a less sleepy state, 
put your hands on, a little bit of body rocking. When she's calm and quiet, then walk out of the room and start a very slow pattern of teaching her how to sleep. And that's what we do with little babies. So really what you're doing is just going back and teaching her how to go to sleep in a cot or in her bed. But to do this successfully, I think you have to be a bit more predictable with her food and she needs to increase her food, enable enabling her to understand the difference between the sleep and the feeding behavior that's happening. So there's a little bit going on here, Chelsea. Start with the food, mimic the behavior close to the cot, put her into the cot, continue to keep comforting her in the cot. You'll need a comfy seat or a Swiss ball to do that. Um, And then you're slowly going to move away. And of course, once you're moving away from her, you're lifting the cot back up. So you have to have it at a point where she goes down. Hope you've got a quiet cot yeah well what you do is you put it down without the side going down yeah so I think you might come back to us when you're ready at that point and we'll give you some clues on what to do when you're actually ready to put her in and then walk away because you have to have the cot side up Mm. I just remember distinctly putting the baby down and then just going, don't click. make a sound and then click and then the baby goes. That's why a lot of cots these days are what they call low profile, that yep. you can get them in and out without having to move the That's sides. That's what you need. Yeah, yeah. That's, all right. That's what they've got. Okay, well, I didn't have You could have that. it for baby Shay. Good luck. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, of course. We're not having a baby Shay, Chris. Don't start rumours. Maybe a puppy dog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, Shay, if you have a problem with me calling my dog Shay. Um, Moving on, Tara has uh, sent us an email for her 14-month-old. Thank you for answering my question and offering advice a couple of months ago when my then, oh, so she was 14-month then, was frequently waking. We took on board the advice and I'm happy to say that our daughter is now weaned down to two breastfeeds a day and nothing overnight. Woo! We no longer breastfeed to sleep either, as she doesn't seem to want to. We took advantage of this cue from her and moved her back into her room as we used to co-sleep. This all happened over the course of about three weeks. Before these changes, she would take four to eight times a night, and we are now down to two to three. She would now yeah. she used to wake four to eight, yeah. and now it's two to three times a night. When she does wake, she goes back down fairly easily with a rub on the back. This is until about 3 or 4 a.m. She'll wake up and be crying inconsolably, picking her up, putting her back down, singing, shushing, rubbing her back, giving her water, etc. All goes out the window and nothing works, except bringing her into our bed. (laughs) Sometimes that also doesn't work and I'll end up giving her her morning breastfeed very early. She'll then sleep for another three to four hours. She only has one day sleep after lunch around midday, but she wakes after 30 minutes and sometimes can't be resettled. If she does resettle, she'll sleep no longer than one hour, 15 minutes in total. At daycare, she has a similar routine and sleeps about an hour to one and a half. A typical day for her is 6.30 awake, 6.45 breakfast, 11.30 to 12 day sleep, 6 p.m. dinner, 6.30 bath bed, bath book, breastfeed, 7 bed. So our next hurdle is getting her to sleep through the night and for my husband to be able to put her down for bed as I'm currently the only one who can. Right. Okay. So Tara. Tara, you've made great steps forward from when we met last time. But you've got a very overtired baby. She's only having a half hour to an hour in 12 hours. And all that does is make her more overtired. So those little wakes that you initially have, you can get her back to sleep because she's still in that first eight hours. But then when she gets to the three, four o'clock, she's just wired. And the only thing that gets her back to sleep is what she knows, which is back in bed or, or breast. So we... 
we have to work in the day because the more overtired they are, the more wakes they're going to going to do for you overnight. So we need to get her more sleep in the day. And I would actually go back one step for about a week and give her two sleeps in the day. Go back to giving her maybe a little sleep around 9.30, and then draw in another hour's sleep maybe around the two o'clock mark because she isn't sleeping long enough for her to be on one sleep. And therefore, when she feeds from you at 6 o'clock at night or 6.30 when she goes to bed, I think she's too tired and she's not feeding properly. And therefore, she'll wake overnight somewhere for a feed because she's still hungry for the feed that she didn't take at 6. And coupling on top of that is the level of overtiredness. Now, you'll have to work with the daycare here because they need to move in the same sequence that you're moving. And we know that children at daycare don't sleep for as long as they would if they were at home in different environment. So I'd be talking to them about the changes. But the first thing I would do is go back to two sleeps and get her more sleep in the day. Because the one thing that might improve straight off the back is those little wake-ups. So she might sleep more solidly till three or four in the morning. Therefore, you could feed her and try and get her back in her cot. So that's reinforcing the going back in her cot. And then once you've got that pattern of sleep in the day going, then you're just going to wean her off that night feed just by reducing or... Um, going in and comforting her with the stroking and the padding to get her to just push through that last feed. So I think the predominant thing here is she is really overtired and that's what's making it more difficult. Okay, Tara, good luck. And our next question comes from Shelley. She has a five-year-old, my nearly, well, nearly five-year-old daughter, who's an extremely fussy, picky eater. She's a slow eater and will take an exceptionally long time to eat. All meal times have become an issue within our house. Both my husband and I dread these times as they can cause a lot of frustration. We try not to express these frustrations in front of our daughter as we need to have those meal times as a positive experience and not a negative one. Mm-hmm. This is what her diet consists of. Cheese biscuits, chicken chippies, mac and cheese pasta, tin spaghetti. She puts a baby food pouch in there so she'll get some veggies, mm. packet chips, hot chips, chocolate, white bread, water, cordial, veggie, fruit juice, ice cream, yogurt. If we try and get her to try any new food, she says, no, thank you. And then we'll start to throw a tantrum. <laughs> Works herself up to the point of crying inconsolably and screaming, kicking and just fighting us. We all sit at the dinner table and eat together. She's been watching my husband and I eat our dinner on a daily basis. However, when it comes time for her to try, we receive this reaction. I'm not sure if this is a learnt behaviour as we give in to her so that she's at least eaten something. I try to limit her snacks through the day and really only want her to eat three meals. So um, I'll tell you what her daily food intake is. Mm -hmm. Breakfast at 7.38, one or two slices of white toast with Nutella. This can also vary to two pikelets with chocolate sauce. Morning tea or afternoon tea. She gets a small lunch box um, at preschool, preschool, which consists of pretzels, yogurt, baby bell cheese, and a small fruit-filled bar. Uh, some of or all of this can be eaten at preschool. Lunch, 12 to 12.30, hot lunch provided by preschool such as lasagna, ravioli, garlic bread, rice with chicken. Uh, my daughter may eat it or if not, then a cheese sandwich. Dinner at 4.30 to 5. This mainly consists of tin spaghetti with the added baby pouch or on alternate days she eats chicken chippies or mac and cheese. Right. Well, there's probably lots of parents who can um, <laughs> empathise with your list. <laughs> They seem to all be white, though. Yes, that's a white So that's that white food. Some kids just eat white foods. 
This is probably, I mean, I think you're doing all the right things except for one thing. So I think you're feeding her in the right times. I think you're restricting her snacks, which is a good thing. I think you're putting her in social settings like preschool to see if she will engage in food differently. They're really positive things. The only negative, which is what all parents do, is if they don't eat the meal that you provide for them, you provide the next one, which is called the short order cook. If you don't want that, I'll cook this. If you don't want that, I'll cook this. But I actually think this is probably bigger than what we can answer here and that maybe um, looking at what um, the fussy eater doctor, Dr. Jen Cohen, can provide for you would be better. But I already know she's going to tell you not to offer different foods. But you're doing all the right things, sitting down with her. Um, she'll tell you to put the meal on the table and let her choose off the meal, even if she only eats, you know, one lettuce leaf. Um, she'll tell you to put things on the, the table that you know she will eat, but not everything on the table so she, you know she'll eat. But I think you need her tips and maybe even um, if you're in Sydney, a consultation with her or maybe contacting her in some way to give you all those little fine points of how to introduce what's missing in here, which is the proteins and the vegetables and how to subtly start to bring that into her diet. So I think this one, although you're doing all the right things and we can tell you not to feed her something else, I think you need to speak to someone who can really hone in on the right way to get a five-year-old to eat. Mm, it's not easy. We've got time no. for one last question. Sure. This is from Nikki. Oh, one last question. It's actually really mm. long, but bear mm. with me. It's a 14-month-old transitioning to one-day nap. Yep. Um, since he turned 12 months, we've had trouble with two naps a day, and by 13 months, I had given up on it at home. Even driving him in the car at 4 p.m. wasn't achieving anything some days. Though he's still doing two naps at daycare, which he goes to three days a week, though that's getting harder to achieve too. I have two problems in going through this transition. One, on the days he's at home with me, I've rarely achieved a two-hour nap. He will do one hour or one and a half hours. He will wake either at the 40-minute or one-hour mark. I resettle, and then he will only do another 20 to 30 minutes and does not resettle again. He has an early lunch, so I know it's not hunger. How and when does he start doing longer naps? Two, the other kids at daycare nap at midday, whereas I'm putting him down five hours after waking, which is often at 11, and he can't make it beyond that. If they do that at daycare, he gets woken by crying toddlers at 12, and then they struggle to achieve a second nap for him. Um, as I know you look at the schedule info, he wakes <laughs> 6, 6.15 a.m. most days. On a one-nap day, I put him down five hours after waking, but with a maximum of one and one and a half hour nap he's a mess by six and I put him to bed by 6 30. Yeah. He tends to sleep okay through the night still. On a two-day nap at daycare they insist he does a longer morning nap at around 10 15 to 12 and a short nap in the afternoon between 4 and 4 30 but they are struggling with the second nap. He then goes to bed around 7 15 those days. What's the best way to go about this? I think he needs to go back to two sleeps but I think everybody needs to give him the two sleeps in the right sequence because He's having one or two days where he's actually getting two hours sleep. It's just broken. And one where he's only getting an hour and a half. So he's com 
completely overtired. With this little fella, I would give him a half hour or 20 minutes sleep in the morning between 9.30 and 10 and then put him down at 2 to see if we can get better sleep from him generally because he doesn't sound like he's ready for one sleep. But you are actually doing the right thing by putting him down about five to five and a half hours after he woke up, so around 11, 11.30, and we would want daycare to follow that. But I can see their problem because they don't often give two cot rooms so you could put the younger babies down and then the older babies down. But in his case... He's not coping with one sleep on some days and two sleeps on other days and then getting woken. So I think for a week or two, we need everyone to come on board with the same approach of doing a small 20-minute, half-an-hour sleep in the morning, which you could do in the car or pram, and then putting him down around the 1.32, depending on where that half-an-hour sleep was, and getting him to sleep better overall and then start in two or three weeks with bringing it to 11.30 so that you put him down at 11.30. But I often go back, go back one sleep phase and then move forward and then suddenly it all clicks in and and things seem to go better. Good luck, Nikki. And that was our last question for today's helpline. If you didn't, if you missed out this time, don't forget we'll be back um, next week with more questions and Chris will be here. Um, if you are watching along live on the Babyology Facebook page, thank you so much for your question. And Chris, thank you for your time. Pleasure. This has been Helpline on Feed, Play, Love, hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt. We're taking a break for the next two weeks, but please feel free to still send your questions through to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au and we will address them when we get back.